0: I don't know how you follow Ronnie Millsap. <laughs> that, is, uh, that is awesome. My name is John Hampton and it is an honor and a privilege for me to be with you today and with my best buddy, Dave, and his uh, beautiful wife, Donna, and uh, their children uh, today. Back in October of 2001, David Vaughn and I were driving somewhere on the outskirts of Dayton, Ohio. We had just finished playing one of our countless rounds of golf together. While we were playing, Dave Myers had called and left a voicemail for me. He said that Westwood-Cheviot Church of Christ was looking for a new senior minister and he wanted to know if there was anyone I could recommend. I listened to the voicemail. And then I handed the phone to Dave, and I said, listen to this and tell me if it's anything you'd be interested in. Dave listened, handed the phone back to me, and said, call him back. I'll talk to him. I called Dave Myers back a little later on and said, Mr. Myers, I have your next pastor for you. And then I proceeded to tell him about my best buddy, David Vaughn. I think it's safe to say now that that worked out pretty well. And Dave Myers, if you're here, you're welcome. (laughs) I wish all of my hiring recommendations were that successful. Now the first few years as the pastor of the proud old, this is the way we've always done at Westwood Chevy Church, were some rough days for my best buddy. I didn't know if he wanted to hug me or slug me for recommending him, but I watched and admired and learned as Dave navigated those turbulent early years with skill, boldness, courage, tenacity, and humility, and eventually led Westwood-Cheviot to relocate and become what you see today as Whitewater Crossing Christian Church and has never looked back. Amen. Yeah. It has been my privilege, not only as Dave's best buddy, but also as a fellow pastor, to watch the amazing story God has unfolded here over the last 20 years. Most 100-year-old-plus churches do not turn around from decades of decline and start growing again that is not the norm in fact yeah in fact most would prefer death with dignity over change with pain <laughs> dave would modestly say no one is more surprised than him at the resurgence of this church but you and i know better David Vaughn is a masterful leader of people, a shrewd and wise church strategist, and a carefully calculating risk taker. Do not be fooled by his all shucks, I didn't do much persona. He's a whole lot smarter than he lets on. (laughs) Many of those people skills and leadership gifts came directly from his father, Big David Vaughn, or as his family called him, Glenn David. And we have to pay tribute to him on this Father's Day as well. If you never had the privilege of meeting Big Dave, I would say you've met him, you just didn't know it, through young Dave. Big Dave was young Dave's hero in every way you can imagine. Dave and I have frequently marveled over the years at the kind of ministries we get to lead and the multifaceted blessings we've known compared to the smaller yet demanding ministries Big Dave and his close preacher buddies led. And I can say to you, my dear brother, your dad... And your mom, Alberta, and Marion Harris are looking down with utmost pride today from that great cloud of witnesses and echoing the words of our Lord, well done, good and faithful servant. To the Whitewater Church family, let me say a couple things. First, thank you for loving, praying, supporting trusting and following my best buddy for the last 20 years. Next to the churches I've led, the churches where Dave has served have been like my church home away from home, and I have certainly felt that way about Whitewater Crossing Christian Church. Thank you for giving so generously to the work of Jesus. For being a bright beacon of hope on Cincinnati's west side. Thank you for leading the way in so many ways in being a model of the local church working right and allowing Dave to share that story of healing and health and hope with so many other churches that he's consulted with in the past and those he will help in the future. And I am confident that Pastor John Tisevich will build upon this solid foundation and lead Whitewater Crossing into even greater days of faithful and fruitful ministry ahead. (laughs) And no one will be cheering louder from whatever golf course he's on (laughs) than David Brian Vaughn. Remember, John... Every new vision needs a fresh voice, and your voice is needed for the next season of Whitewater. John, you are the right man at the right time to lead this great church to reach its redemptive potential. And don't worry about trying to fill Dave's shoes. First, Dave is a really smart leader, and he's going to be taking his shoes with him wherever he goes. (laughs) And second, you have your own unique style and path to walk. Walk it well, my friend, and you do you. To Donna, I would like to say, Thank you for being a wonderful example of what a pastor's wife should be. You're quiet. Amen. Yeah, let's give that a hand. Your quiet but unwavering, behind-the-scenes support of Dave has not gone unnoticed nor unappreciated, and you have certainly provided a totally safe and an extremely clean place for Dave to come home to, to share his burdens and to celebrate his successes. Thank you, Donna, also for being such a good friend to Melinda. Nobody knows what it's like to be a pastor like another pastor, and nobody knows what it's like to be a pastor's wife like another pastor's wife. That safe and well-ordered world that you have provided Dave for 41 years. You have graciously extended to Melinda and me numerous times for the past 39 years, and that means more to me than you will ever know. Donna, thank you for allowing Dave and I to have so many fun, rich, meaningful, buddy times together in so many places around the country and really around the world and having those regular times and getaways, Dave and I realized we're good to one another and we're good for one another. And whether we were golfing or planning for sermons or just hanging out, those times have been a life giver and a ministry extender for both of us. So thank you for sharing Dave. And finally, to my best buddy. I want to say a couple of things. You made it. You did it. I know how much you've planned, how much you've prayed, how much you prepared for this day. I know how patiently and confidently you waited for John to finally emerge as your successor. I know how easy you made all this look and I know it wasn't and it isn't. You're a -a one-of-a-kind transformational leader. You're a much better preacher than you give yourself credit for and you've made some of the luckiest golf shots I've ever witnessed (laughs) in my life. I mean seriously, how many chip-ins How many 30-foot putts are longer? How many 220-yard dicks, $39 special drivers off the deck can one guy hit? (laughs) You make that stuff look too easy as well. I can't imagine what my life would be like without you, brother, and I would never want to. The first time we met at Cincinnati Bible College in the fall of 1980, Neither of us had any idea at that time how our lives would become so bonded together and literally bound up with one another. There was a biblical friendship between two men also named David and John or Jonathan who the scripture writer says became one in spirit and they loved each other as they loved themselves. I can think of no better description for this unique, life-altering, life-giving, ministry-supporting friendship that we share. And I'll close by saying this, if I ever play video basketball and eat chocolate chip cookies in Florence Mall, I'd want it to be with you. (laughs) If I ever run out of gas on a below-freezing night on the outskirts of Cincinnati, I'm glad it was with you. If I ever stole somebody's shoes the night before his wedding, I'd want them to be yours. If I ever saw someone selling radios, knives, and perfume out of the trunk of his car at my wedding, I should have known it would be you. If I ever needed someone to pack my U-Haul for a cross-country move, I'm glad it was you. If I ever worked with a youth minister for just three months, I'm sad it was you. If I ever beat someone in golf at Firestone Country Club, I'm really glad it was you. (laughs) If I ever played golf on the Beeson Tour, I'm glad it was with you. If I ever played golf at St. Andrews in Scotland, I still can't believe that was me and you. And if I ever finished third in a golf tournament at Myrtle Beach, it was because of you. (laughs) If I ever wanted someone to steal my best sermons and borrow my best ministry ideas, I'm glad it was you. Of course, you and I both know I stole them from someone else. (laughs) If I ever wanted a model for how to handle a pastoral succession with class and grace and honor, I've seen that in you. If I ever wanted someone to fly in to be with me, when my wife was in the hospital and I was at my lowest point, you'll never know how much it means to me that it was you. If I ever want to spend more time with someone other than my wife, I want it to be you. And if I die first, you're doing my funeral, and if you die first, I'll probably just get these notes out and read them again. Dave, you were the best man at my wedding, and you continue to be the best man in my life. I love you like a brother, and even more, I can't think of any other place on the planet Melinda and I would rather be today than right here beside you and Donna as you receive the ultimate recognition that any preacher could ever hope for, to leave behind a Jesus-following, outreach-oriented, grace-giving, disciple-making church family that is so much better off than when you found it. Well done, my best buddy. Come on up here.
1: thank you. You, you. you can have a See, How do you follow that? <laughs> what, what a weekend of surprises. What a weekend of exhilaration, emotional drawdown of joy, <clears throat> of sorrow. It's hard to keep a surprise and a secret from me. My team has finally done it, Paula. Man, what good memories we shared together! (laughs) If I do go first and John preaches, I want Jerusalem at the funeral. That's all. (laughs) And Michael Boggs, man, we've we've done a lot. We've had some ups and downs together. (laughs) Shared memories. I'll have a little more to say about John later, but if you're not a Davon fan, you can blame John. He's responsible for all of that. Your kind words, buddy, I, I'll, I'll never forget that. So I'm not often speechless, but I am, almost. So I want to thank all of you who put this together. I want to thank all of you who pulled this off. I, I, ha- I cannot imagine how much work you have done with all of the logistics and the festivities. We had awesome weather last night for an event, a little get-together with some, uh, several hundred people. It was awesome. I'm sorry if Don and I didn't get to meet everybody. Every time we would venture out in the crowd, we only got about six feet, and we had to stop, and, and we never really got out there. I, but what a gorgeous night. Evidently, even God was on the succession planning event team, and that went well. <laughs> By now, I've pretty much said everything I wanted to say as your preacher. And thankfully, JT would never say it, but thankfully the DV Farewell Tour has finally come to an end. (laughs) Ethan, our sound guy, gave me a great metaphor as we were celebrating one more Skyline Chili lunch with the staff last week. And I thought it was a good metaphor. He said, How are you feeling, you and Donna, with all this transition and this what's been going on. Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you ready? Yeah. And I think this is accurate. It's I've been like a kid watching the wall clock the last day of school <laughs> before summer recess hits. You love hanging out with your classmates. You might like your teachers and your friends, but you're ready for summer. And it seems like that clock hand is just dragging by. And I'm thankful that graduation day has come. It's pretty much my last Sunday, although I will be back occasionally to share what God is doing in us as your ambassadors and check on JT and Kelly. But since it's pretty much my last Sunday, there are some things I plan to do now that I've never been able to do as your pastor because I had to be the example, or it went with the job. Can I give you a few examples? JT, you got this to look forward to 20 years from now, maybe. So today, instead of parking farther away like the other staff did and shuttle across, I pulled my stinking car right under the portico. (laughs) I just left it probably towed by now I dropped an anonymous note in the offering box today with everything I don't like about this church The executive team can deal with that this week I could care less I plan to stay up late next Saturday night at least till 9:30 And I'm going to sleep in as long as I want next Sunday morning. I may not even go to church. (laughs) We probably will. (laughs) And you know what else I'm going to do next Sunday morning? I'm going to eat breakfast. Some of y'all don't know this. I can never eat on Sunday morning. I was so nervous and still am. Every Sunday morning, I just couldn't eat. I knew I would get sick. Someone once asked Billy Graham, do you still get nervous preaching after all these years, these crusades? He said, yeah, I still have butterflies. They just fly in formation. (laughs) That's the way I felt. I'm going to be a big, bountiful breakfast, and I'm going to eat to my heart's content because I don't have to get up to speak. Biscuits. Biscuits. Amen. (laughs) And as soon as I get to Carolina, which Don and I will be located at to coach. We're near the airport. It's just going to be great. But as soon as I get down there, I'm going to shop for a bright red convertible sports car without fear of being judged. And I'm going to go as fast as I want because I'm not worried that the cop that pulls me over attends our church anymore. (laughs) Stuff I always wanted to do. I, I will absolutely miss some things here. I will miss Sunday. I can't say I'll miss Monday with all that comes with Church ink. but I, I will miss Sunday. I will miss the hugs a wonderful young lady in the church maybe a month ago. She's here today. That uh, During one of the messages I was crying and talking about, which I told myself I wasn't going to cry today, but I've already failed that. And I can't promise I won't again, but... It was evidently emotional, and so she came up to me with her parents and said, you know what you need? A hug. And every Sunday morning, that little girl, that young lady, comes up to hug me. And today, she came up once again, but she had an animal with her, or a, a, a mascot. Hold that up there, honey. It's under the seat. Some of you young people, tell me who that is. Olaf, let it go, let it go. See, I know. that's what I'm trying to do now, let it go. And she's there, put Olaf in my seat. She said, I won't be here to hug you from now on because you won't be living here, but I'm going to give you that so you can hug that and think of me. That's the stuff I'm going to miss. I will miss the worship. We have some of the greatest worship leaders, and we've had some of the greatest worship experiences here. I will miss the energy. I will miss Skyline Chili. I will miss the baptisms. I'll talk about that in a second. I will miss some of you in this room who believed in me when I don't even know if I believed in me but you believed in God and you were great-hearted, high-output, low-maintenance, mission-driven people who made my job so much easier and pleasurable. I will miss that. I will miss some good friends I had. I'm moving to a place where I don't know anybody, by the way. I told Donna, I don't want any friends <laughs> for the first year. I don't, nobody knows me. I don't have to wonder who's watching. I was pumping gas here a few years ago down at Kroger, and I was just kind of thinking about it, and I heard this voice from above say, great sermon, David, and I thought, finally, God is speaking to me. <laughs> it was a female's voice. That may be a whole other theological issue, but it was the woman who said it attends our church, and she worked in a little box there in Kroger, and I waved at her, and I didn't know that she came. So... I had to go over and speak. I I will not miss that much. (laughs) There there are some things I I will miss, but there are some things that I won't miss. I won't have to read any more love letters to David that come to my inbox. Those can now be auto-forwarded to JT. I, I won't miss Cincinnati Winners sorry but not sorry i will not miss the cincinnati reds losing that just stinks i uh i won't have to worry about somebody driving by my house during a capital campaign to see what kind of house i lived in before they decided to give which happened more than once I'm so glad my Mercedes was parked in the garage with the door down. (laughs) I won't have to carry the weight of those hard decisions which all the pastors in the room here know and which JT now realizes that sometimes keep me up at night because they impact real people. There are decisions you make as a pastor, you just know nobody's going to be happy. The last two years, we've had to make decisions nobody's happy. Take it easy on my successor. He's doing the best he can with the information he has. And maybe now, my two adult kids that I love so much won't have the same stress of living in my large shadow or the pressure of living out their private pain in very public ways. Or the unrealistic expectations that preachers' kids get put upon them by churches. And this church has been really good at that, but it's been hard on them. And I ask that you convey to John and Kelly, Noah and Isabel, an extra grace for that, for the glass house and the bubble they live in. I don't, you talk to my kids and see if it's always great to be David Vaughn's son or daughter. I wanted it to be, but I don't know some days if it was. But in spite of all those few outliers, no pastor has ever been more blessed than Donna and I. I never went to an elders meeting where I felt my job was in jeopardy. They may have thought it, but I didn't. <laughs> I never had to worry about paying my bills because I've been blessed with a generous salary far more than I deserve I've never had to stand in front of the church and appeal for emergency funds so we could stay open another week I've been supported by so many good leaders and staff I never felt I was in the battle alone I didn't have a day where I didn't believe that my kids and now my grandkids and my wife loved and supported me my eyes have seen some things here I only read about or heard about and I never thought I'd get to see it myself I've seen thousands of people put their faith in Jesus and go all in through baptism for the very first time we decided to do it which was crazy as I looked back because I had nobody lined up and I said we're going to go for it and I saw a guy stand up at the invitation time and took off his belt and I said I think that's a good thing <laughs> but then he Dropped his shoes, and he was the first in. And 55 people came that first day, and I didn't have a clue any one of them was coming. Those impromptu baptism days, we still have them here. It's the highlight of my life. I remember every single one because we've done so many. But one stands out in particular way back in 2013 when we were in our old space, which is now our student ministry space, and we debuted some portable tanks that we built, which were really cow troughs that we cut off the top and made it look like it was something excellent. That's, that just describes my ministry right there. <laughs> <clears throat> but I preached a simple message. And folks, the Bible is still powerful. Just preach the Bible. It works. <clears throat> and I read Acts chapter 2 and... Philip and the eunuch, see, here's water, and 155 people came in one Sunday to get baptized. These are the moments when I'm on my deathbed that I will look back and say, thank you, God, for Whitewater Crossing and what you did right there because I know the story behind that gal in the tank. That's the closest thing to Acts 2 Pentecost experience I've ever seen. My dad was in the back that year watching. I've always wanted to make him proud. And that was the one day I know he was. And he caught me after the church service that he attended where we had 30 or 40. He said, Dave, I've been going to church all my life. I've never seen anything like this. And I sensed a sense of sadness in him. That He thought maybe he failed, but I said, hey, Dad, you know, that's your fruit too. I mean, I wouldn't be a Christian, let alone a preacher, without you. I remember that next Monday after that big day when 155 people came, and I got word from our facility guy that our regular baptistry heater went out. So I told our facility guys, just leave one of those tanks up in case we need to do another baptism this next Sunday. There's no way it's gonna happen because we just baptized 155 people. So I was preaching that next Sunday. I said to myself, you know, and preachers, John, know this. You hear things, we're not crazy, but we hear things while we're talking in a conversation with you. We're having a conversation with the Holy Spirit or something else. Make sure it's not the devil. That's what I tell John. Don't you don't have to say everything you think. <laughs> See, I'm still coaching. But I said to myself as I finished up my sermon, which wasn't even about baptism, you know what? It worked last Sunday. Why don't I just try to make an invitation to go all in again? Here's the same tank. See, here's water. So I didn't even have extra clothes then. So I just went over, and because I didn't have extra clothes, I stood at the top of the stairs. I didn't go down in because I I wanted, if nobody came, I was going to be dry for the next service. And I stood at the top of those stairs, At that tank, and I made one more simple invitation, 33 people came to get baptized right then. And I knew this is something special, and I breathed it in, and I said, I can't walk quickly past this. Based on our average attendance back then, those 188 total decisions represented like 25% of our entire church family in attendance. We had a bunch of heathens attending back (laughs) then. And I thought to myself on the way home, only God. And every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to that God. My cup truly runneth over here. The bad things, the negative things, the critical things that sometimes I share and joke about, especially lately, have been drowned out by the love and the positive things that have happened to Don and I in this ministry. I've been given final words. They're legacy words, last words. We've been using First and Second Timothy, and I've been given four things, trying to boil down 20 years of ministry to four things that's tough. But here's the things I've passed on to you and JT that you should never forget. A couple weeks ago, we talked about being real. God doesn't do well with fake. Be authentic. Number two, be biblical. Preach the word in season and out of season. Number three, be bold. That was last week. Be bold. God doesn't do good with faint-heartedness. And today, my final word to you, just very briefly, two other little words Be ready. From my heart to you, be ready. Buckle your seatbelt. You're being invited invited to a spaceship that's going to go places it's never been before. Don't ask questions. Just get on board and buckle your seatbelt. Be ready for what God will do next here. Because I've heard about it. I know about it. He's far from done. We just laid the foundation for that rocket launch to happen. Someone did it for me, and now I get to do it for them. Be ready for that. Be ready for Jesus to return, friend. The more I look at our culture and our dark and depraved world, the more I start, the less I watch the news, and the more I start watching this guy. Because I'm telling you, I don't know how much longer he's going to wait. So the question is, are you ready if it's today? Now I feel bad for John because he really wouldn't get to start ministry, but if he came today, <laughs> I would be like, wow, now that was a succession ending right there. <laughs> Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. But friend, I think we're living in the last days. If they thought it in the apostles' day in Acts, I think it now more than ever. Be ready for that. Be ready to follow JT because you know what? I will. I've never had a boss in 20 years. Now i got two or three based on the organizations I'm working for, and John's one of them. Talk about a switch. (laughs) Be ready for persecution and pushback too. I always knew here when God was getting ready to move in big ways because right before it happened, the devil would unleash hell personally and professionally in my life. And I persevered because I knew he must know something that I'm a danger or a threat. So it kept me going. And JT and I have experienced that even right now. Our families experience that. I don't think it's a coincidence that those things occur. So be ready. Don't be uh, afraid. But don't be amazed or surprised at the fiery trial. It's probably going to come your way. And as I said last week, don't you ever, don't you ever consider success of this church tied to an attendance numerical number ever. God's not judging us by that. Don't judge JT by that. We were already kind of starting to plateau pre-pandemic, even before we even knew JT's name. That's not the standard. It's were you faithful and are you making disciples who will make disciples? Don't put that burden on him and our leaders here. If you would indulge me for just one more moment, I'd like to say thanks to some folks knowing I will likely leave some people out. Paul was real good. I think most of his letters, he, like, thanked people, and that was a lot of the chapters. So if he can do it, I think I can do it. First, let me think, on Father's Day especially, the Father above, for not only saving me, but allowing me to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ in such a special place as Whitewater Crossing. Some preachers, they preach week after week after week and don't see any fruit. God had, I had fertile soil here. All I had to do was keep sowing it. And on this Father's Day, John Hampton mentioned it, but I, I thank God for my heavenly Father, but my earthly father and mother I thank them for teaching me about Jesus and his word from the time I was born. In my dad's retirement years, as I mentioned, he would sit out here, and I got the unique privilege of being the pastor to my own pastor father. And in my next chapter, I still want to be like him. I saw my dad shift when his retirement day came, to a new role as patriarch of the family. And I hope to be that to my kids when I wasn't some days. And I hope to be that to my grandkids and I got a new one who's doing well. I get a second chance on that. (laughs) But I'm so proud of all of my family for reasons they don't even know about. So thank you. Thank you for elders. Thank you staff for holding up my hands and lifting me up for telling me I'm not crazy. And thank you John Tizovich for your loyalty these past few years for putting up with the DV tour these last few months for cheesy jokes and vaunisms and just asking how I was doing when you knew I wasn't doing so good. You are more than ready for this. Mrs. Tiz- Mr. and Mrs. Tiv- Tizovich, John's mom and dad are here on Father's Day. I can't imagine what you're feeling today, but you got to be proud. And since I mentioned John, let me just stop here and say I'm moving to South Carolina. Don and I will coach pastors and their wives. I will not be in town, but I'll still have an email. And some of you have my cell phone, which worries me as well. (laughs) So I say to you, hear this from me. From this day forward, please don't text or email me to complain about JT or anything you don't like about the church. I will not respond. Now, I'll respond to all the positives, and I'll forward them. But I am leaving. I'm going to something else but you have a new pastor, and it's not healthy, my heart can't take it, and I will not respond. So please, if you love me, don't put me in that position, and you don't need to be doing that anyway. Thank you, Whitewater Crossing Church, for being the church working right. I've been traveling all over the country talking about you, and you've been talked about by a lot of people. There's a lot of churches out there that know about you and know about what we've done. I'm so proud that God through us showed the world that an established 100-year-old church can change, that can make a difference. There's so many churches that are struggling. They just need a little hope. So thank you to all my friends here, my golf buddies, for believing in me, even though you are aware of my many flaws and idiosyncrasies. Some of you early adopters here that came down from Westwood Chevy, you knew I was in over my head from the beginning, but you still cheered me on. A special thank you and a shout-out to Jerry Nancy Francis who are here today. They have given me a place to live in the last year. Basically, I'm alive because of them and how our paths crossed. And how much they are loved by Donna and I I cannot express. And to my best buddy John Hampton. You know, he's gonna retire someday, and now I gotta figure out what I'm gonna say. (laughs) But to him and Melinda, you'll never know the difference you made in my life. If you all knew how many ideas. John passed on to me that helped me lead. You should have paid him instead. (laughs) I never had a physical brother, just a sister. So God sent me John Hampton. And we walked through some valleys and mountains and deserts together, personally and professionally, and it looks like we're going to get the chance to do that more in our next chapters. Sitting on that same row is my cousin Paul Snoddy and his wife Barb and Adam, their son, who has served faithfully for decades up in Petaskal, Ohio. Talk about a guy that just went somewhere and refused to quit. He's a model for me. Behind the scenes, Paul prayed for me, encouraged me. He sent me sermons. He supported me. A lot of people sending me sermons. They must be watching, you know, what I was doing. Paul's one of the most organized men and ministers I know. So, thank you, cuz. And lastly, to my wife, Donna, I don't know what I can say. Donna has served in so many ways, various roles over the years, but thank you, honey, for succeeding in the most important one of being minister to the minister. It's the only role you could play. She encouraged me when I needed it. She confronted me when I needed it. She knew when to pat me on the back and when it needed to be a little lower. (laughs) I wrote these words in my office this week about my wife. In a world of church drama, you brought a home of peace. In a calling full of chaos, you brought order and consistency. And with people of duplicity, You saw right through that, and you brought authentic honesty and candor. Y'all don't know this, but many of the best decisions I made here were because of input and insight that Donovan gave me. You were perfectly shaped by God for me then, and you still are. So, it's been a great run, and I'll just leave you with one final word from Paul to Timothy. Hit some of his last words he wrote before he was martyred, from Second Timothy 4, 6 to his protege, Timothy, and no more are these true than right now on this holy ground moment. And these are my final words, at least as your senior pastor, before I come back as a visiting sage from the stage. (laughs) Paul said this For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. It is. This Thursday night is my last elders' meeting. I will be uninstalled as an elder, JT will be installed. Donna's got the car running, (laughs) and we're out of here. The time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight with you. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, This is your reward too. This is your legacy too. But also to all who have longed for his appearing. My legacy here is not a building. It's not a project. It's not a program. It's a people. You are my legacy. Don't mess that up. (laughs) I'll close with this. There was a private secret tradition that I performed every Saturday afternoon here for 20 years. If I was in town, no matter what location our building was, it started in Westwood, Chevy, because if I hadn't done this, we, it was, I was doomed to fail. So weak and unqualified was I, I knew I had to do it. When we were in phase one, I had that same practice, and now it's the one habit I've stuck with even as we moved five years ago into this sacred space. It's the one habit that I believe was the secret to my ministry and probably why I am better able to loosen my grip on the lead pastor baton here. You probably don't know about it, and since I'm leaving, I suppose I can share it now. Knowing how powerless and inadequate I was, every Saturday afternoon for 20 years when I was in town, I would come to the worship center where we were, the last five years it's been here. I would enter when no one was here, and I kneeled down on the front of this auditorium floor. Sometimes I laid down, and I prayed this simple prayer. It was every week I prayed it. It's your church, God. It's not mine. I give it back to you. Forgive me for trying to make it mine, in my image. Make it in your image. I would pray every week, be with me tomorrow as I stand on this stage. Show up and show off. Because if you don't, it's gonna be bad. Send, I finished every prayer this thing. Send revival to me and this church. I did it just yesterday, friend. And that private practice kept me centered on him, and I believe it was heard and answered by Almighty God. It kept my ego in check, it kept us protected, and it kept the power of God flowing. And we've tried to model what the church in Acts did. The prayers went up, the power comes down, the people go out. That's pretty much what we've done. (laughs) So because I thought I was all that early on, I didn't think I maybe needed to pray, so I forced myself to do it because prayer is not preparation for the battle. Prayer was the battle for me. But once I rose from that floor, no matter what kind of week I had, no matter what the criticism, no matter what the burden, when I rose up off that floor, I was ready for another Sunday serving God and serving you. It got a little harder to get off the floor as time <laughs> went by. That's another reason I knew it was time to retire. But I promise you that I can still keep that tradition of praying for you. I'll be in a different zip code floor praying because I want you to win here and I want you to win maybe more than you even want yourself to win. So know on difficult days, JT, Kelly, our elders, members, our staff, on difficult days, you still have a pastor and a friend that will be lifting you up just from a different place. So I guess that's all i got to say about that. (laughs) It's over. Yet it has just begun. It has been the most extreme honor of my life to serve as your pastor for 20 years. Thank you. I love you.